You're listening to Just Believe, sponsored by Just Believe Recovery Centers, with your host, Brenda Swift, as she discusses all aspects of addiction, recovery, and sober living. And now, your host of Just Believe, Brenda Swift. Welcome to Just Believe Radio. I am your host, Brenda, and we're here on 900 AM, the talk of the Palm Beaches, Monday through Sunday, every single day for you at 3 o'clock. And we're blessed to be on the weekends on 103.9 FM LI News Talk Radio in Long Island, New York. We have a very important confidential line set up for those that are struggling with uh, having addiction issues that they know they need to approach and and not sure who to talk to or what steps to take. And that number is 877-309-3635. And... We also have uh, any of the family members that are are having problems with somebody and they're not sure how to start that path of getting them some help. That's also the number to call, and that's 877-309-3635. And I'm extremely excited to have a guest back on the show who's got a very powerful story that's that's unique to most of the ones we hear and uh, pretty devastating as to what addiction can take you to he was on a previous show and we'd like to have welcome back to this show john thank you brenda if you'd like to recap um the basically a lifetime of of addiction and and the point that it led you to is very extreme at about the age of 45 is that correct that's correct yes and exactly, can you fill the listeners in that weren't able to hear on the last show exactly uh, what what had happened for you? Um, you know, I was a daily user, and I got to the point to where I was starting to hallucinate. I was I was so mentally defunct that I was paranoid, and and um, I, it led me to commit um, uh, several serious crimes. I mean, I committed uh, seven first degree felonies. And it landed me in a in the Florida State Mental Hospital in Chattahoochee, where subsequently I would be found not guilty by reason of insanity, and allowed to go home, but on a very strict uh, conditional release. Okay, and and what we had talked about on the on the previous show is the uh, the level uh, that a lot of people have been able to maintain or you know function during active use of, of drugs, and, and you actually got into some quite serious drugs. You said uh, meth and, and that crack was the primary at the end there. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I, I always drank, though, too. I, I never like to do drugs without drinking. Of course. One went with the other for me as well. And uh, uh-huh. now at the end of when the when the psychosis actually kicked in, there the hallucinations is what uh, sent you on that spree from what I understand. Is that right? Uh, that's right. I would have to say that up for probably a year up to that, I was starting to hear things. I was paranoid. You know, if I was driving down the road, I would think that somebody was following me. Anytime I was on the Internet, I was thinking somebody was, uh, you know, trying to hack me or, or listening into what I was doing. Um, I was extremely paranoid. Um, I would constantly go to my front door and stare out my little peephole in fact, I, I had the same front door for 30 years, and when it came time to finally paint it, there was so much oil from the, my forehead on it, it wouldn't hold paint. 
Oh, no. <laughs> a lot of time spent right there. And that's very common yeah. for crack, of course, and, and the amphetamines. And, and you said meth came into play as well, which which causes a, a severe level of hallucinations and brain damage. And and at the time that, that you uh, committed these crimes, you said that uh, aliens actually came into play for you. Is that, that was a full-blown psychosis. Is that correct? That is correct. I, I thought the world was being taken over and that the people I was seeing were actually some kind of clones. And, uh, you know, I just I felt it was my duty to save the world. And, and you know, I, I commenced on my crime spree. I, uh, the home invasion that I actually committed was done under the done under the thought that uh, these people were, uh, were, were warehousing children from our city. And I was going to make them tell me where these children were. And, uh, you know, clearly that didn't work out. Too well for them or me, but uh, you know that's that's where it brought me. And it's it's quite frightening. I've I've witnessed a, a number of different hallucinations for people, and and while there's the story has like a comical air to it on the point of you know aliens are involved in that kind of thing, but the hard part is that the person going through it because of the damage uh, the drugs have done completely and totally believe that what they're saying is true and there is no way to talk them out of it. And for you, it was to the extent that these felonies were actually first-degree murder tra- or attempts. Is that correct? Yeah, attempted. Okay. And we fast-forward then through the mental institutions and, and all of that. Uh, a period of time, actually, your brain was able to heal to the extent to be able to, to start over. And, and you said that that was quite a lengthy path for you. Uh, it was. As a matter of fact, it was the first time, uh, you know, for whatever reason, you know, that's just uh, what God's journey's been for me. And it's their choices that I made at the time that have really helped me up to this point today. Uh, everybody has their own path, and, and things work differently along the way. Uh, if you're just joining us, we are Just Believe Radio. We're here uh, with my guest John today, and we're a talk show about addiction and recovery and bringing the information to everyone uh, that there is a medically recognized disease that keeps people using and drinking alcohol and drugs and and unable to stop. And uh, John's story has been very unique in the length that uh, well in the length that it was functional. Uh, first of all, you had you had said for a period of how long? I would have to say for at least thirty two, thirty three years. Uh, 33 years or so, I was uh, a functional user, and I was a daily user. I, you know, I did hard narcotics every day, um, and I drank every day. And I point that out primarily because it's it's so important for, you know, a lot of people hear that and think, oh, well, I'm only 10, 15 years into mine. I can go, you know, twice that long. <laughs> uh, th- but these are the consequences. This is exactly what what starts to happen is that the mind does start to break down, and, and we don't know that it's happening as it's happening because it, we believe everything that's happening around us when the psychosis starts to kick in. Was that your obviously your experience? That's right. And, you know, to the, you know, to the defense of the people around us that have to make judgment calls as to why we're doing stuff, like I said yesterday, you know, nobody really knew that I was that heavy uh, drug user. And at, at that point, I was so mentally defunct, I couldn't tell them. You know, I just, I thought that, you know, they were evil and they were out to get me. And they just thought I was, um, you know, a bipolar schizophrenic that was sociopathic. Um, they didn't really have any case history on me because I hadn't been locked up before for that. Okay, and then so the the charges actually didn't have any any drug uh, related in 
involved and that was how you were able to not do any prison time at that point? Well, I believe, you know, there were people they interviewed that knew me um, that had told them that I was a drug user. But because that had been found specifically in my system when I was arrested, they didn't, they couldn't really, you know, charge me with doing that under the influence of that. And they had to take the, the defense, um, the, uh, the state attorney's oh, doctor himself had um, examined me, and he was the one that concluded also, along with mine, that I was a sociopathic bipolar schizophrenic. They just, they just didn't have, you know, the, the tools at their disposal to make an accurate diagnosis. You know, I was just a, I was just a, a 30-year junkie. That's all I was, really, at the end of the day. And that's exactly what, what we get to look forward to if, if that's where we stay. So you, you actually were able to start again, obviously. And uh, how did that paint a little picture as to how, how life started over for you at the time that, that you were released? Um, at the time I was released, like I said, I was uh, put it on a, a real restrict um, conditional release, and that was oversought by the Florida Department of Children and Families. Um, you know, the Department of Correction handles uh, corrections, but mental illness and stuff like that is handled through the Department of Children and Families. And my restrictions were um, I had to give urine a couple times a week. Um, I, I could not have any in my possession or be around any kind of computers because computer graphics and stuff were thought to trigger um, psychotic episodes and people that were mentally ill. Needless to say, I couldn't have any weapons or any of that. So, you know, every month I would have people that would, would go through my house to make sure that I didn't have any of that. Um, I was also required to attend uh, several uh, recovery meetings a week. And, uh, you know, to have not done any of that would have been an immediate ticket back to, um, back to, the, to the mental hospital. You know, there's, it's not, when you're on that kind of release, it's not like probation where you're actually off on a set date. You're on it for as long as they deem you need to be on it. And at the time, I was told it would probably equal the amount of time I would have spent in prison. So I was looking at a long time of this conditional release. Of course, and, and grateful for it, I'm sure, to be able to have a chance at life again. And that, I'm guessing, something happened when you started attending the 12-step meetings along the way? Uh, it did, actually. Um, for one, I had been isolated for the past year and a half. You know, I'd spent most of my time in a little cell. And, uh, you know, I was able to, to, you know, have a fellowship with some other people that, you know, were kind of in my same uh, situation, you know, drug addicts and alcoholics. And as I mentioned, um, you know, I, it took me years to, to, re, to get my mental faculties completely back. You know, I, when I started in recovery, I, I had to learn to read again. I didn't have a lot of comprehension. Um, I didn't really get involved in the, too much of the steps of recovery for probably the first three years. I was on step one for three years. Basically, what they told me to do was just to keep coming, and that's what I did. I just I kept coming to meetings for several years, and needless to say, every month I got a little bit better and, and a little bit better. And, you know, by the third year, I had a sponsor, and I was starting to work the steps. Okay. And we do need to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to continue the gifts of the program that John's experiencing today. We'll be right back. At Just Believe Recovery Center, their highly trained staff has a combined 50 years in recovery and is certified to help with each client's individual needs. The program at Just Believe Recovery Center brings those suffering from addiction and their families the understanding needed to begin healing from the devastation and begin the path 
to a new and fulfilling life in recovery. The staff understands what addiction has done to your family and that no one chooses to become sick. At Just Believe Recovery Center, with a therapeutic process and a caring staff that understands addiction, their clients can choose to become well. Go to JustBelieveRadio.com for more details and call their 24-hour hotline today, 877-309-3635. That's 877-309-3635 for caring guidance and an end to the pain of addiction now. Just believe there is another chance and call 877-309-3635 today. Welcome back to Just Believe, sponsored by Just Believe Recovery Centers, with your host, Brenda Swift, as she discusses all aspects of addiction, recovery, and sober living. Now, back to your host, Brenda Swift. Welcome back to Just Believe Radio. I am your host, Brenda, and we're here 900 a.m. The Talk of the Palm Beaches, Monday through Sunday, every single day for you at 3 o'clock. And on the weekends, we're also now in Long Island, New York. That's LI News Radio, 103.9 FM. And the hotline that we have set up for help for anyone struggling with addiction or the family members that that need to get some insight and guidance on how to help their loved one is 877-309-3635. And I'd like to welcome back to the show my guest, John. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you for being here, John. You've got quite a unique story in, in the things that can happen on a long-term path of, of uh, addiction. And I'm just uh, overwhelmed with the blessing that you are actually still here and still able to have rebuilt your life because that is generally not the case with a, with a history that long. Uh, now, there was a point then when... Uh, when you started to bond with the people in the program and in the the recovery programs and and obviously found a, a light in this in this area where you didn't have to return to drugs or alcohol is that correct that is correct like i said it was it was i was about 3 years into my recovery i was going to meetings um and you know i i was i was starting to be be a part of the fellowship and, um, you know, I was, I was coming out of it enough to where, you know, I had learned to read again, and I was able to work steps with sponsors. And I had sponsors around me, people that were mentoring me, that were smart enough to realize that, you know, I had quite a few problems and that, you know, one recovery room probably wasn't going to solve them for me. Um, you know, clearly I needed counseling, which I did. Um, you know, I was ready to do whatever it took. To, to change my life. You know, I, I clearly I didn't want to go back to the little cell that I had been in, and, and I was afraid of that. You know, I was really afraid of that. And once I had come to grips with what I had done criminally, um, I was devastated the thought that I could have done that to people. I was just, you know, it, was, it changed, that part changed my life forever. You know, I became a, I've been vegan now for for 11 years, I just the thought I catch bugs and release them outside. Just the thought of hurting anyone just it just it freaks me out. So, um, my life really changed in that three years. And, and you know, I, I, as I worked the steps, I you know, I, I got better and I got better. Um, needless to say, in that time, I, I went through some sponsors. Um, I had one sponsor that had been uh, clean for 12 years, and he decided one night he was going to go back out, and he did. 
and he ended up hitting uh, a person in a minivan, and he killed a couple of their kids. And, you know, he, he was sent off to prison for the rest of his life. And, and it was that kind of stuff that I saw that just, you know, cemented in my mind that, you know, I don't want to be like that anymore. Um, I had other problems, too, because of my record. I, I was unemployable. Um, you know, background checks today kind of really don't deal with... Uh, you know, how you've been adjudicated for crimes. It basically deals with, you know, what your crimes you, you were charged with. And, you know, I, I couldn't find a job. And it was funny because I had an old blue pickup truck that I inherited from an uncle. And I threw a lawnmower in the back of it. And, I, you know, I started mowing lawns. You know, I had to make a job for myself. And, you know, a few years later, I would have a, a couple of trucks and a couple of trailers. And I would have a pretty good... Um, you know, landscape business, but, you know, it was, it was small steps. It was small steps. It was just, it took years. It literally took years. And the same thing with uh, rebuilding my family relationships. You know, I had children that I hadn't seen in 20 years. Um, I have, I had one daughter um, that I hadn't seen in almost 20 years. She was my oldest daughter. And I was in, I was uh, in my fourth year. It was around Christmas time when I got a knock on the door and it was my uh, high school girlfriend who I'd had the child with. And, uh, you know, she said to me that, you know, she had heard that I had turned my life around, and she wondered if, um, you know, I wanted to see my daughter. And it was the first time that I actually realized that, you know, people really weren't out to get me, that, you know, for their own protection, they have to protect themselves, they have to isolate themselves from people like me. But, you know, at the end of the day, they everybody really wants you to succeed. And I remember that, uh, you know, I got to see her that Christmas, and, and I got to make some amends to her, and... You know, unfortunately, she took after me, and a year later, she would be dead of a, of a heroin overdose. And that was just, you know, that was a hard thing for me to come to grips with in my, you know, fourth or fifth year of recovery. Oh, I can imagine. And and you'd make a good point is that most of the people that start to uh, protect themselves from us when, when there's drugs and alcohol involved, they're doing so simply because, one, they don't know what to do. And uh, two, if... There's a lot of periods for for most people where where they do try to get into recovery and they make all the promises and they truly truly mean it, and uh, then they start using or drinking again, uh, a lot of times against their own will and the families, end up not being able to to put themselves in that position to believe again and be heard again and and the gift you have of of such a such a dramatic story in being able to uh, get hope uh, and and continue on a daily basis uh, for that length of time to uh, rebuild your life and especially to to have a a period of time with your daughter and have have her brought back into your life for for a while um, you're such a, a beacon of hope to what can truly be accomplished when you set your mind to recovery and and are properly motivated, of course. Um, yeah, it is. It really is. Now we are uh, actually getting close to the end of the show. For those that are um, that are out there that that are hearing uh, a little bit of controversy in different areas where where you were struggling within the twelve step programs, uh, to to give some people hope that that it is an option and it is certainly a place where hope can be found and, and recovery can truly be found. What would you offer them that would give them a little bit of hope there? Well, the, 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 honestly, there isn't anything a lot of times that can't be undone. 
Um, you know, you get to the point to where you're just feeling so hopeless that, you know, there's nothing you can do. But you know what? Um, you know, today I realize that there are always alternatives. And, and all you got to do is reach out for help. Um, you know, the gifts of, of, of sobriety are, are just tremendous. I would have never imagined what the, the things that I have achieved in just in the last 10 years. If I, if, you know, for me, I was lucky because I didn't have the courage to reach out, and it was the justice system that actually started me on my way. And, you know, unlike some people, I'm not bitter at all. You know, they did me a very big favor. In, in, in fact, you know, so many people look at the justice system as holding them back. But, you know, it is their job to help us, to help us, um, you know, be better people. Um, you know, I just, uh, if I had to, to thank one entity for helping me, it was the justice system for giving me a second chance and, and guiding me in the right area to, you know, to, to help me become the, the human being that I'm supposed to be. And that is so inspiring. Actually, you don't hear that very often. But the, you know, the justice system is there to protect those from our, our disease that uh, are not a part of it. And, and it's just so inspirational that, that they were able for you to see you know, that underlying it was the effects that you were dealing with on, on such a drastic level, um, going from from active use to full psychosis in a 48-hour period. And, and I mention that again because it is, it, a lot of people hear it and think, oh, that won't happen to me. Um, and the reality is keep using. You don't, you don't know exactly what the chemicals are going to do. They're progressively breaking down the brain. And when it happens, it can be just exactly what you've experienced. You, you bring a tremendous amount of of uh, strength to to those that are listening that that really think that it's just you know a casual thing I can put it down when I want to and keep going and I thank you so much for being here and being able to to share your story and you have been you said clean and sober for how long now um, it's be almost 11 years I'm coming up on 11 years oh congratulations and I'm sure you work with others and and carry that message as well I, I do. I'm a sponsor. I have a sponsor. I do service work. Um, you know, it just it's uh, life is a lot different today. And that that is the gift that we try to uh, let people know more than anything is that when it is time to put down the drugs and alcohol, your life's not over. The party is far from over. Uh, there just aren't the consequences that that we used to experience in in the things that we learn in recovery and, and the gifts are just beyond anything that I could possibly have imagined. And I'm sure the same has been for true for you as well. Absolutely. It's been, it's been great. It really has been. And uh, we are out of time for today. Um, we will have you back on another show, I think, and, and uh, do some topics and, and come up with uh, other ways to share your experience, strength and hope. Thank you so, so much for being here and being uh, courageous enough to share your story and all of the things that drugs and alcohol took you to. Uh, thank you so much, John. Uh, thanks for having me, Brenda. It's been a pleasure. And we are Just Believe Radio. We're here on 900 AM. The Talk of the Palm Beach is Monday through Sunday at 3 p.m. And Ally News Radio on the weekends in Long Island, New York. That's 103.9 FM. And the very important confidential uh, hotline for those that are hearing anything that 
that they feel, uh, obviously not getting necessarily to the extent that John had, but to know that uh, it is time to make a change and just don't have the courage to do that yet, call the number. It's 877-309-3635. And we are Just Believe Radio. If addiction is stealing your dreams, just believe there is another chance.